Our scripture reading today comes from the book of Zechariah, the second chapter, and it's a a story of of hopeful prophetic vision of deliverance and what might be ahead for a new Jerusalem, a renewed Jerusalem. So hear this word of scripture read specially today by one of the members of our youth group. Hello, my name is Olivia Jones, and today I'm going to be reading Zechariah chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. I looked up and saw a man with a measuring line in his hand. Then I asked, where are you going? He answered me, to measure Jerusalem, to see what is its width and what is its length. Then the angel who talked with me came forward, and another angel came forward to meet him, and said to him, run, say to that young man, Jerusalem shall be inhabited like villages without walls, because of the multitude of people and animals in it. For I will be a wall of fire all around it, says the Lord, and I will be the glory within it. Up, up, flee from the land of the north, says the Lord, for I have spread you abroad like the four winds of heaven, says the Lord. Up, escape to Zion, you that live with the daughter Babylon. For thus says the Lord of hosts, after his glory sent me, regarding the nations that plundered you, Truly, one who touches you touches the apple of my eye. See now, I am going to raise my hand against them, and they shall become plunder for their own slaves. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me. Sing and rejoice, O daughter Zion, for lo, I will come and dwell in your midst, says the Lord. Many nations shall join themselves to the Lord on that day, and shall be my people and I will dwell in your midst. And you shall know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. The Lord will inherit Judah as his portion in the Holy Land and will again choose Jerusalem. Be silent, all people, before the Lord, for he has roosted himself from his holy dwelling. We are talking about a, a topic today that Uh, has been on my heart, and I'm sure it's been on many hearts uh, who are worshiping with us today. Uh, A common thing that I've heard in the midst of this um, time of pandemic is how lonely people feel. And it's amazing how different kinds of loneliness are are visible, are, are felt in this time. And there are those who are probably feeling lonely without people around them. You know, you're living by yourself and, and you're thinking about losing out on that connection to people that, that are dear to you that you don't see every day. And there are people who are living amongst many people. Uh, maybe you've got a big family and yet you can feel very, very alone in that setting too. And we all have different ways in which we feel loneliness and there are times in which we don't always know how to articulate loneliness is what we're experiencing Sometimes we just feel like we're burnt out. I'm just so tired. And some of that tiredness and that burnout and that uh, is really this undercurrent of feeling alone, feeling unheard, feeling like if you weren't there, this all would fall apart. And so we're experiencing very different kinds of loneliness, and I don't know all of the ways in which you might be experiencing it today. But I think it's important to, to think about loneliness and what does loneliness mean. And one person has suggested how to understand loneliness as the gap between the connections that we need and the connections that we have. 
So loneliness is the gap between the connections that we need and the connections that we have. And so you might have a strong relationship with someone and still feel lonely because there are more relationships in your life that you need. And so loneliness is a lot more complicated than we often think about it. And I want to take us back to the book of Zechariah in this time in the life of Judah in which they are experiencing their own very real and very painful type of loneliness as, as a people who were taken from their homeland into slavery, into exile, into another land. You know, they're, they're isolated from the land that they knew. They're isolated from friends or family, from uh, their worshiping style and, and the types of places or the temple. And so they're, they're working from a place of longing for connection to each other and to God. And I want to point out something about their situation, which is also going to be true about our situation, is that for Judah, loneliness or disconnection, and all, all of that isn't simply solved by going home. When the people of Judah come back to Israel, come back to Jerusalem, they're not suddenly all in harmony. They're not suddenly feeling in perfect connection. And by the time we get to the life of Jesus, you have this, uh, the, the Jewish life of the first century feeling like they're still in exile even though they're at home. And so the same is true for us that we might feel loneliness right now. And maybe we have this kind of false hope that, well, as soon as things open up, as soon as this pandemic allows for more gatherings and I get to see these people that I miss, of course all my loneliness will be gone. And that's not the case. It, it, it's not that easy and it's not that simple. Because uh, the truth is, is many of us felt lonely before this pandemic started. And so we're going to wrestle with what is it to feel connection and, and reunion instead of being disconnected and lonely. And so our kind of starting framework, you know, what are the connections that we need? We're going to talk about a connection with God, a connection with ourselves, and a connection with our neighbor, which is kind of beautifully seen in Jesus as, as he quotes from Scripture when he talks about loving the Lord your God and loving your neighbor as yourself that we need all of those connections, that we have to connect to God, to ourselves, and to those around us. And so let's start where Jesus started with connecting with God. In the context of Zechariah, this book is filled with a longing to be close together again, a longing to return from exile, from isolation, from separation. And we can't fully understand or appreciate that desire without thinking about a painful image that, that was imagined by the prophets in relationship to God. The prophet Ezekiel, in Ezekiel chapter 10, has this image of God's presence leaving the temple in Jerusalem. That, you know, before the, the armies have invaded, before they've destroyed the temple, that God has already kind of left and said, you know, things were not right. Uh, judgment is coming. I am leaving. And there's a painfulness of losing your temple when your religious center is there and, and your sacrificial system is there. And how do I live as a, as a good, faithful follower of God in the midst of exile? 
And so there's a longing for closeness to God. And I'm sure some people in that exile felt close to God where they were. But certainly not everybody, and not everybody in the same way. There's this longing for, can I get back closer to God? And so it's in that context which Zechariah, the whole book of Zechariah begins with these verses, the very first verses. It's going to set the story in the time of the Persian kings who's overthrown the Babylonians. It says, In the eighth month in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Zechariah, son of Berechiah, son of Edu, saying, The Lord was very angry with your ancestors. Therefore say to them, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the Lord of armies, Return to me, says the Lord of hosts, and I will return to you says the Lord of hosts. And that's the, the entry point into this book of Zechariah that God is saying, return to me and I will return to you. Because that's always God's stance. Is God is always that the prodigal son's father ready to run out to the wayward son and, and, and longing to re-embrace those who, who have left, who have disappeared, who have walked away from God. And so we, just see, we see the stance of God saying, I want to return to you. Will you return to me? And it's into this context that the second chapter of Zechariah has the text that we read today. It's an image of, of an architect, a city engineer, a city planner, having a little line and mapping out the new Jerusalem, the renewed one. And so here's what Zechariah says about the plans here. Zechariah says, I looked up and I saw a man with a measuring line in his hand, and I asked, where are you going? And he answered me, to measure Jerusalem, to see what its width and what its length. And then the angel who talked with me came forward, and another angel came forward to meet him, and he said to him, run, say to that young man, say to the one who's, who's making out these lines and measuring it, Jerusalem shall be inhabited like villages without walls because of the multitude of people and animals in it. For I will be a wall of fire around it, says the Lord, and I will be the glory within it. And in this mapping out of what is this new Jerusalem going to look like, we might not notice how radical Zechariah is here. Uh, if you've studied much about the return from exile, most of the story in that historical context is people like Ezra and Nehemiah who come home and immediately want to build walls. And here we have this prophet saying, there's an angel saying, hey, go run and tell them Jerusalem shall be inhabited like a village without walls. And that seems counterintuitive in the ancient world because if you were an ancient city, it's a status symbol. I've got water to, to live by. I've got food and I'm going to protect my water and food. And I'm going to build walls. And a, and a people group who has been scattered, who has lost life, they're saying, hey, when you build those plans and you put them together, what's Jerusalem going to be like? It's going to be massive. It's too big for walls. And God's kingdom is too big for walls. Whatever limits we always set, God always surprises us by pushing outward. And this, this image is God saying, hey, don't worry about the walls. I will be the protection. Not only that, I will be the fire or the glory within as well. And so there, there's too many people, people of all kinds. 
uh, there's too many animals, which is always a fun little note when we even remember the animals in the story. The kingdom is too big. God says, I will be your wall. Let go of your fears. Stop being afraid. Move forward with me. Trust me. And I will draw the masses in. And it's in that that you hear again that return to God and he will return to you. And in order to return to God, we have to connect with ourselves. We can't play the game of trying to put on a mask of somebody else. It's not about can I put on a persona that returns to God? Can I myself turn to God? Can I love my neighbor if I don't know how to love myself and be myself? And I think many of us have felt lonely on this topic. That you could be in a crowd of people, but if you can't be you in that crowd, it feels terribly lonely. And I'm sure that you can imagine a scenario for yourself. For, it's going to be different for each person. Where you've gone home to family. Where you've gone to a work Christmas party. Or you've gone to a friend's house. Or wherever you've gone... And you knew you were snapping into a persona or a different version of yourself that isn't sustainable because it's not actually you. At the end of that day, you're exhausted. Like, Man, I, I don't know how to put on this other person. And God is inviting you to return to God. And we can't connect with God if we don't allow our true selves to be what turns to God. And I think churches often struggle on this topic because we all have a sense of, well, here's how, here's how I should be. And, and yes, we need to grow into newness of life and we need to grow into some things. But we feel like we need to skip the process of getting there and just act like we're there without actually confronting where we really are. And so sometimes we make our churches into spaces in which uh, we put on a mask and in which we invite the welcomed criticism of you are a hypocrite. Uh, we're not hypocrites when we admit to our own flaws, our own failings. It's when we put on this fake self that we aren't being real and authentic before God and before the people around us. And so we can't connect with God if we can't connect with ourselves, but we also can't connect with our neighbor if we can't connect with ourselves. We, we're never truly allowing an opportunity for harmony, for relationship, for peace to grow if we're all just playing a game and it's a facade and we can't be ourselves. And the truth is there are many in our midst who are not allowed to be themselves because it is not safe to do so. And part of the news and the conversation that you see going on in this country, but also globally, is an outcry of, of black men and women and children saying, I am afraid because I can't be myself. I don't know if it is safe. And I feel like it's, I've got to put on something or I have to put off my blackness in order to survive, to thrive, to, to be able to exist here. And I know I can't fully understand the fullness of that conversation. Uh, but I need to listen, I need to learn, and I need to learn how not to create spaces in which people feel like they need to put on a different persona. 
And so how do we connect with our neighbors and allow them to be who they are in our midst and not try to conform them to who we want them to be? And I think of Zechariah here when he cries out. And he cries out about the desire that it's not just enough for us to connect with God. It's not just enough that, oh, I feel good with God, but we have to build that harmony and that justice with our neighbors so that we have a harmony with our brothers and sisters. And so Zechariah writes, Up, escape to Zion, you that live with the daughter of Babylon. For thus said the Lord of hosts regarding the nations that plundered you, Truly, one who touches you touches the apple of my eye. And that's one of those lines where you've somehow heard this in culture, the apple of my eye. That God's saying, hey, nations, you have wronged this group, this, this people of mine who I love and I cherish. And Zechariah goes on saying, see, now I am going to raise my hand against them, and they shall become plunder for their own slaves. And then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me. This is the hard part of today's text. It is the note like we had last week that God is the God who hears the cries of the oppressed and liberates those who are oppressed so that those who feel strong and mighty become low. And God will raise his hand against the powerful. And that is hopeful and scary depending on where your stance is in the world. And so uh, for those of us who feel oppression, there's hope. But we also need that corrective moment to our authentic selves that maybe there are parts of me that God is asking and critiquing and judging and saying, enough of that. I care about that person that maybe isn't an apple in your eye, but is an apple in the eye of God. And so justice gets, justice is necessary to the end of loneliness. We can't be connected, we can't be in harmony without peace that is because of justice, because of equality, that all people can live together. And so it's in this uh, that we get this, this hope in Zechariah and this hope for us that in the midst of God's justice and God's setting right the world in which there is oppression, that is when there is an opportunity for true harmony and true relationships to emerge. And I hear in this text from Zechariah both this connection with God and, and ourselves and our neighbors. Sing and rejoice, O daughter Zion, for behold, I will come and dwell in your midst, says the Lord. How much are we crying out for that? Are we singing out in joy? Are we hoping that God is just in our midst. Dwell, I will come and dwell in your midst, says the Lord. And he goes on. Many nations shall join themselves to the Lord on that day and shall be my people. We don't often think about how God is going out and is in a mission with people that isn't just about us. Many nations shall join themselves to the Lord on that day and shall be my people. And God says, I will dwell in your midst. And you shall know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. The Lord will inherit Judah as his portion in the Holy Land and will again choose Jerusalem. There's this hope that God will, will choose you and also choose others. That the, 
even in the city that can't have walls because it's too big, but God has to go beyond that, and God is drawing in people from all nations, and, uh, you know, we're a part of that. Uh, I, I'm not uh, a part of the uh, Abraham covenant through blood, but through faith and through God extending that call outward and God inviting all people together uh, through, through Christ. And so it's in this hope that, that we might all be drawn to the Lord together that we can truly be connected and not alone. And if you want to feel connection in your life, you can't do it on your own. And that might sound obvious, but we sometimes need to hear the plain and simple because we work so hard and we think, how do I fix being not connected? you got to go and be connected to God, to yourself, to those around you. And so a private spirituality is not going to help us be connected. We have to reach beyond ourselves. And so we need God, we need ourselves, we need our neighbors, and we have to work for the peace and for the justice of all people in our lives, to work towards that kingdom that God invites us to. And we might need to realize that God has a word of correction for us, that there are parts of ourselves that still need to grow, to be uh, kingdom participants that, that bring about God's justice alongside of God. And if there's one image that I just want you to sit and dwell with in the midst of this connection uh, topic, but also this moment and where we are in the world right now, Imagine Zechariah, imagine that, that God is drawing out the map of all things that are new, and we aren't living it fully yet, but the, the architecture is already established. The map is being drawn, that there is a place in which there is a wallless Jerusalem, but there's a place in which there is a wallless Jackson. There's a place in which there are no more of these barriers that push other people out, no more of this place in which these barriers keep people from access to having a place to live or uh, unjust ways that prevent people from getting a job or uh, unjust ways in which we just refuse to be hospitable and welcoming to the stranger in our midst. And so not only is God on the protection side of, hey, let me handle being your protection, God is also on the filling side, filling glory in our midst. His presence is here. May we rejoice and celebrate that God is near and not far and that we can return to God and God returns to us. And so may we all live in harmony with God and ourselves and our neighbors, work for, for the justice and equality of all, and always choose to return to God who returns to us. And so... In the spirit of, of communion that we're going to talk about later, think about Jesus who in the Gospel of Matthew gives this image of God's presence. The beginning of Jesus' story is the announcement that he will be called Emmanuel because of the church, because all people will say God is with us. In the end of that Gospel, Jesus is sending out the disciples to the whole world with the message that I will be with you always. So may we be connected because we have a connecting God.
Return to God who always returns to you. Would you join me in prayer? Lord, I know that there are many who feel alone, some who are isolated and some who are surrounded by others. And Lord, we just ask that your presence might be fully felt, that eyes might be opened to where you are at work everywhere, not just here, but in all places. Lord, we ask that you would open our ears to hear your words, your wisdom. In times of loudness and chaos, may we hear your voice in the quiet. Lord, we ask that we would be motivated, that we might return to you not just in spirit, but also in action. And that you might cause our, our, our hands, our feet, our whole selves to return to you. That we might bring about glimpses of your kingdom to those that encounter us because we are reflecting your love and your peace and your harmony into the world around us. And Lord, for all who feel oppression, who still feel the exile of Babylon, who still feel that, we ask that you might inspire your hope of the plans of the great new Jerusalem, new earth that looks like your heavenly kingdom already. Lord, it's in your name that we pray. Amen.